they encourage you to bring your whole self to work. Oh, one of those. And it's like, really? You wouldn't know what to do with my whole I self. I don't think anyone can physically you... do that. You can't bring your actual self to work. Some people there can. there is that barrier. Some people can't. We can't bring our whole selves to work. They, they, wouldn't, they wouldn't know what to do with it. Welcome to the Brown Don't Frown podcast with your host, Tanya Hardcastle. We're here to engage in a thoroughly inclusive conversation with women from different backgrounds. Shaped by our cultural, racial and social experiences, we share our stories. Good evening. Good evening. Welcome, listeners. I'm joined here by the lovely Rihanna. Um, and today we're talking about tokenism in the workplace. I guess both being professional working women, we've known each other since university. university yeah. First day of lectures at law school. That was fun. <laughs> As both being quite ardent believers of meritocracy and diversity, we can't stand being tokens in the workplace, especially in our roles in finance as well as um, law. I think both of us feel that we deserve our achievements uh, because we've earned it, not because I'd say so. <laughs> of our race or our gender for being tokenized. Yeah. But when we are tokenized, I do feel like it undermines our intelligence and our capabilities. Uh, and that's why diversity is important, not to fill in or tick certain boxes, but to actually represent. For the sake of listeners, I guess, just tell us a bit more about yourself. So I'm Rihanna. Thank you for introducing me, Tanya. <laughs> Uh, I grew up in West London, uh, a town called Greenford and Ealing, and uh, I'm black, uh, second generation British and of Jamaican heritage, so my grandparents moved over to the UK in... I think it was 1953 that my granddad came over. Windrush generation. Well, the Windrush was 1948, so just after. uh, Yeah, they. My my granddad did come over on a, I think, a Spanish cruise ship. Oh wow, that really (laughs) takes it back. Yeah, and then sent for my grandmother a few years later, kind of after he'd established himself and settled in the UK. Um, So you're second gen. Yeah, second second generation. So my mum was born in the UK. I was born in the UK. Yeah. And the same for both sides of my family, my dad's, dad's and my mum's well. side. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I studied law and politics at university, as you know. Yes. We were on the same course. Yes. And I started my career in in the legal profession, actually, in uh, banking, to be precise. So quite heavy banking stuff. Banking law, yeah. <laughs> Very intense. Quite heavy stuff. Um, yeah, long hours. But I'm now working at bank, so effectively client side, running deals in our in the corporate finance team. So for you know some of our larger corporate clients, um, common names that you'd probably be familiar with. Absolutely, I've I've uh, I've done their financings. So yeah, I bet you've seen some things. I have (laughs) a few things I can't talk about. Yeah, yeah. that's fine. Uh, And I'm sure some of you listeners know I also have a similar legal background. Um, but I've delved now into a more re- regulatory position. That's what we could start with talking about is having that strong female influence in our lives. Maybe tell us about your mother. Yeah. Um, so I was raised by a single mum. Yeah. Uh, and in no way do I say that in any kind of negative light. No. Nope. Uh, because my mum's a, a strong, independent black woman. And uh, yeah, I mean, I always remember her working really hard working long hours uh, she worked her way up from the customer service desk at uh, one of the you know, largest airlines in the UK wow uh, right up to HR business partner and uh, I'm I'm one of of two so I've got a twin sister yeah 
So she, she she's doing really well for herself as well, <laughs> isn't she? Yeah. So simultaneously raising two twin daughters whilst maintaining a career as well. So yeah, pr- pretty tough. Uh, she's also a magistrate as well. Oh my goodness, I didn't know that detail. You didn't know that. <laughs> no, you never told me. Yes, wow. uh, my mum sends people to prison. <laughs> oh my goodness. No, no, no. She's um, you know, she's she's very fair, and I think it's important for someone who looks like her yes. to be on the bench Absolutely. to bring balance. Yes. So she, she takes her role as a magistrate very seriously. Of course. Um, and I'm really proud of her for it. Yes, yeah, so well. am I. So, yeah, I remember so. my mum kind of studying and she did her CIPD and everything like that. So, yeah, she's worked hard. She does her voluntary side with the magistrate's role. She, um, she studied. So, yeah, she's, she's been quite a strong influence in my life. And, um, but she's not the only female influence that I've had growing up yeah uh, so I've had quite a strong network of women that have also contributed to raising me yeah yeah Yeah. so aunties those being um, friends as well yeah my mum's my mum's friends um my actual aunties I call them my auntie mums yeah that's cute (laughs) with a similar background to your mum or Um, no all different actually yeah all different um bring all different perspectives to raising well-rounded raising a family yes well I guess for me my mum was always one of those people who said to me look never let your race or your gender or anything define who you are you know try Mm -hmm. and look through that and that's how she carried herself throughout her profession um she worked as a lawyer for some time she um had pupillage but she actually left halfway through um because she was actually propositioned by the uh head of chambers uh at the place where she was doing her pupillage which is the training that you need in order to become a barrister um and those are the people you see with wigs on in court (laughs) and just just to, to clarify um and she was propositioned by him and he said look i'll give you tenancy if you um basically sleep with me um and that really tainted her perception of the legal profession. But I think because yeah. she never finished it, she was very keen for me to take it on board because she mm. sort of saw herself pursuing her life through me vicariously. I felt quite a lot of pressure. Um, but at the same time, because of the view she had on race and on, on gender to try and sort of take that away from me, she said, oh, you know, don't don't think about it. And that mm. made me sort of avoid trying to understand myself as a female as um, an Asian woman and I was always focusing on you know meritocracy because she said you know that's why I'm in the UK she said in in, you know Bangladesh where she spent half of her life there was a lot of what she called corruption people Mm. taking bribes and she was like it's not that like that in the UK you know it's completely different they're a lot more organized they're structured and therefore it's meritocratic that was her understanding of it I think as she's seen life go through the UK she's seen something completely different to what she'd imagined when she first came to the country um so that's been quite a big realization for her but she's still I feel like quite a firm and denier of the fact that there is a lot of racism um in the UK and that also affects um growing up and pursuing your profession um for her she just thinks it's really easy to you know qualify as a lawyer or to achieve a certain goal she's like <laughs> all you have to do is work hard yeah exactly that's yeah. how she how she thinks it is but it's not like that at all I, I don't know if it's better to think that way be in or to be I suppose woke and you know be aware of it because it's definitely about if you're living in your ignorant bliss you kind of don't see things and maybe that things might just you. it might just go over your head yes and in that sense it won't have that negative impact on you exactly. where, where it affects you emotionally yes and you're uh, and you complex just, about yeah it and you just carry on 
as you usually would thinking yes. okay I'm just gonna have to work hard and put the <laughs> put the time in put the hours in yeah you know, do the there. networking and I'll get there but if you're not almost if you're not aware of it then it it can impede you Yes, it can, yeah. Because and I think that's probably what she tried to shelter me from, like, because she thought, you know, as soon as I realise, oh, I'm different, I'm going to start treating mm. myself different and seeing myself different to, differently to other people and maybe thinking, oh, maybe they're better than me and I'm not as good as them because I don't, you know, have a, a similar cultural background or I don't have, you know, the same level of um, wealth as someone else, one of my peers, one of my colleagues. Yeah. So maybe she tried to sort of shelter me from that um, when she said, you know, don't look at this. Um, yeah. But I suppose I'm the opposite then because... Yeah. So my mum and my auntie mums, yeah. they they found it very important to make sure that I you was knew. aware of my cultural identity, I knew my history, yeah. I know where our people have come from, what they've had to go through to, to get to where we are today. And I think knowing that has given me the appreciation for it because I know that, you know, when my grandparents came over to the UK... Uh, back in the 1953 it wasn't an easy life for them no but it wasn't I mean I would say in comparison to that that I've had you've had it an easier life it does get easier through the generations I mean no absolutely my mum has always said that you know I've worked very hard to get to where I am and therefore I want you to be successful because I want to be able to reap what I sow essentially which is absolutely the truth in terms of navigating our otherness I mean how do you how do you see that how do you do that being at the intersection of two marginalised identities, you know, being female, but not only that, being black in an industry, mm. finance, which has historically been so catered and geared towards privileged yeah. men. I mean, it's hard sometimes because sometimes you're in a room and you're just in a room full of white men and middle-class men as yeah, well. Yeah. Um, so it's almost like a double burden. And you know yes. that they can see you and see that you're different and I've often you know I've had to go through challenges where I've been undermined or people don't listen to or value my opinion but I've worked just as hard if not harder to get to where I am yeah as opposed to what they'd have had to do to get to where they are we've had to work twice as hard yeah and I think I think that you know the people that you work with they, they fail to appreciate that because it's not common to see someone that looks like me in the room. I mean, I'm in, uh, at work, I'm in debt finance. And, you know, we've, I'm the only black female. Um, we've got another graduate at the moment. So she, she's in on her six-month rotation, I think it is. But is she black? I'm, yeah, she's black. But, okay. you know, I'm the only one. It's like, it's like as if they recruited me and then they thought, oh, okay, tick. Yeah, the next done. round of recruitment, it was just all, you know, all middle so class like all white our, men. our target now, so we're done. We can move on. That's basically right. how they saw it. Yeah, so it is hard because you don't have, well, I don't have that person that is going to be, you know, a sounding board. Yeah. Try and help you. Do you know, you know, just the person also, that you need to yeah. help you na- navigate your way Absolutely. in a new organisation. say that, you know, you hire within your own image as well. Yeah. So when you're facing that interviewer and you're sat opposite, they're looking for someone who has a similar background to them. Because at the end of the day, that's all we know. We know what we're from. So we'll try yeah. and hire within that sort of range, within that sort of image, because we don't know any different. And people are trying so hard. Companies, big you know, corporations are trying so hard to try and change that tack. But I think if you incorporate tokenism and filling that gap 
just with a number and a figure as opposed to actually doing something about it, about mm. social mobility and diversity. You know, you're not, not going to achieve that. And that is really difficult because previously I worked in a law firm and I never got it said to me directly, but my managers said to me, I'm perfectly aware, Tanya, that it's, you know, it's, it's very white, white male dominated over here. And we're trying so hard to change that. I hope you can see that because we've hired you. And that instantly made me feel like, oh my God, I'm only here for mm. visual representation. Am I just there for the image? <laughs> you know, of course, I'd been through a really rigorous in- interview process and everything. But then I, it made me question, so you know you like, deserve do I actually to be there? deserve it? Yeah. And when people like sort of use that sort of language, like, oh, we're trying really hard to change it. We're so glad you're mm. here. It makes you think, well, are you telling me that I'm not really valued here? Am I just another number And for your marketing campaign? Like, it doesn't really make yeah. sense. And I always got like weird sort of comments made like in like, uh, the sort of communal areas like someone came up to me and was like so what are you like are you a qualified lawyer or like what do you do what's your background like, I mean what, people always what are you doing yeah here? people always mistake me for a grad yeah as well uh which means they automatically see you as less than yeah like because yeah just because people. of what you look like I mean I look I look young anyway <laughs> no, <laughs> no one realizes I mean I'm I'm 27 no one realizes <laughs> yeah, you do that I'm actually young. an adult you know and your voice as well, like it's really young sounding. <laughs> take that as a compliment. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. But yeah, I mean, being being perceived as as young as well doesn't doesn't help. It doesn't help, you know. Yeah. When you're trying, you, you've worked hard. Um, you want that credibility, uh, and you just want that respect from people. Yeah. I mean, have you ever felt like you've been subjected to a sort of tokenism or like an indirect? sentiment or do you think it's something like a collective yeah I mean feeling that you get just based on your various experiences throughout your working life I mean they've put me in uh like promotional videos and stuff at work (laughs) um I mean I'm fine with it where there's a mutual benefit Mm. but then sometimes you think you're scraping the bottom of the barrel here because I'm literally the only one <laughs> oh, that's embarrassing. Um, yeah, I'm the only one, and you're going to plaster my face on the front of it just to, you know, demonstrate that you've got some diversity. And I know that, and it's a, I think they must know that I know that, but it all just kind of happens. I mean, as a result of that experience, for example, did you feel a bit devalued or like you didn't deserve to be there, or did you just not really think anything of it? I mean, I just got on and I just got on with it and did it. And I just thought, well, there's a mutual benefit in it for me because it'll, it can increase my visibility around the business mm-hmm. and everyone will see this. Yeah. So I, yeah, I didn't make, I didn't make a big deal out of it, to be honest. I mean, that big word, meritocracy, like, do we believe in it? Do we think the world is run by people who deserve to be running the world? Or do we think they're there because of their privilege? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look at the House of Commons, for example. I know. You know, the the route that they go through to become MPs, they're all kind of, you know, old boys club chums, aren't they? Absolutely, yeah. And, and that's just, I don't know if that's British culture, tradition, has a lot to do with it. Majority. There are definitely people that have worked hard and they've worked hard to get there. But a lot of it, and I say the majority of it, is still that, old school cronyism the connections and absolutely. and that's all about your social circles yeah you know not what you know and ultimately as uh, people of color women of color 
we are not going to be automatically included in those circles. Got to work. We we're sitting so on harder. we're sitting on the periphery. We're we're never going to be brought in to those places. We're never going to feel like insiders. And not not by virtue of your hard work anyway. It's just you know, the way you look. You're not going to be at the golf or the rugby. No. Or you know you just might be at football. <laughs> Went to the cricket recently. That was interesting. Oh, did you? <laughs> How do you think we'd be able to facilitate diversity in the workplace without compromising meritocracy or enabling tokenism? Blind recruitment. Yeah. I mean, a lot of companies, they've started doing that. And there's this uh, scheme called Rare Recruitment. I don't know if you've heard of it. I have heard of it. Yeah. yeah it's where they recruit people based on their social demographics or where they've actually grew up, what school they went to. Right. And they sort of assess that against people who went to perhaps more and do they re- rebalance it? They balance it yeah because yeah, i suppose if if you've grown up in in a very deprived in a day. disadvantaged environment i would say environment because yeah. that could include a number of factors School, you could be from family. a single parent home exactly or you know your your parents didn't work or weren't able to work by virtue of disability or immigration status or otherwise um, so you're automatically disadvantaged. You might have grown up with caring responsibilities or not have gone to a school that was, you know, top of the league tables because that happens. And you're ultimately at the whim of an education system that could fail you. I think that is definitely very important. And that rare recruitment type of scheme is yeah. really beneficial. Yeah. And as you said, blind recruitment, I think yeah. definitely helps. But people that succeed living through those circumstances have had to work harder Absolutely. than those who've come from privileged backgrounds yeah. that ace their way through school. Because I mean, they haven't had any they challenges. They have those obstacles. Their no. parents haven't had to live, live month to month, you know, budget for the week. or They've had to work harder. It's important to do that rebalance. I think it definitely is. Yeah, which is why you need diversity schemes. Yeah. Definitely. Um, and I think name blind as well is a really big one because when you look at oh, it, yeah. it sounds forward, you're like, hmm, I don't think this person's mm. going to be competent enough for me. So I won't, I'll take them off the first sift. Yeah. And that's it. I mean, I've not, I've not come across that before for myself, obviously, because my name's yes. Rihanna. Yes. Um, my name's Tanya. So, yeah. I mean, don't really feel Just that. But people do get surprised when, when, when I think... When they see you. Yeah, because I think they expect some... I have had that a few times at interviews. Mm. And then also once I join, you know, some colleagues look at me, they're like, oh, but your name's... Oh, and they, I think they just get a bit confused. Like, right. who is she? In terms of meritocracy uh, and having that balance between enabling diversity and empowerment for women in the workplace and women of colour and making sure that everything is done in a very equal uh, and fair sense. Um, It's not something that can be done as easily as people think. And the fact that people think, you know, big companies think they can literally just tokenise a situation by ticking a box goes to show how little they actually value diversity when you think about it. Yeah, because I suppose it's not just about recruitment, is it? You can't just get people through the doors it's about retention as well because ultimately you'll you'll make your way into an organization you've done all the hard work you've got you've got yourself there and you're in but then you're still excluded yeah you're still excluded from conversations excluded socially undervalued undermined yeah so social events yeah I definitely feel I used to feel that quite a lot when I worked um for a very corporate law firm and so I just felt very excluded you know I wasn't asked about you know what my interests were it was sort of like oh we're doing this are you gonna come along 
not asking me about my interests and if I want to organize a social event and that's quite you know it's not very yeah. inclusive at all but people don't realize they're doing it that's a problem yeah and then you and then it's exhausting because you feel like you're always having to Succumb. live up to their, their yeah they're kind of white <laughs> middle-aged often their middle-class standards of what they find funny even to, <laughs> to start with yeah I just there was some times where I just I just didn't get the jokes and everyone would laugh and I would just be like I feel like we're at an age now where we don't even have to pretend we can just be like I'm I'm, I don't find this funny yeah if you asked me that five years ago I probably like you know would have gone along with it but now I feel like the older I get yeah I I just don't have to I just yeah yeah I'll just be like I I don't get it (laughs) sorry leave me out or or black people don't ski like (laughs) don't don't stereotype it's no I'm not stereotyping I would go skiing I'm just so clumsy I know, yeah, me I too. Would, I'm really clumsy. I would break something. Yeah. I've only ever been snowboarding <laughs> once when I was at, like during my year abroad and I literally I just couldn't do it. And I just kept on going. I just couldn't stop myself. I just kept going down the hill and that was it. <laughs> Had to wait until I got to the bottom. It took like yeah. five minutes. I think I think people are confused by me though, because um they they see me and obviously I'm I'm black. Right. And then they have this stereotype of what a black woman right. should be like yes. and what she should act like. Yes. And I don't live up to that, yeah. and then and then um and then people ask me, you don't have to conform to the magic. Stereotype. Where are you from? Question, and I'm like, what, oh, do, yeah. what do you mean? <laughs> where am I from? Well, I'm from West London. I'm British by nationality, but I, I have Jamaican heritage. Is that what you mean? Oh, you're Jamaican, and then you know, and start talking about like jerk. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah, but then I'm I'm obviously not what it, the mainstream the media perpetuates they, as they, the typical. Yeah black Jamaican woman they think someone listening to reggae and, and the smoking and that's an invented stereotype by British people that's not something that actually happens is it yeah it's yeah. something that's perceived by the West as something that belongs to Jamaican people yeah. when I say I've, I've not I've not smoked a day in my life <laughs> they're like yeah but you're you're Jamaican <laughs> oh so you've obviously done it <laughs> Come on, it must be in your blood. I know, right? I know. But yeah, they, I'm just I'm just not what people expect me to be. And I I'd like to say they're pleasantly surprised, but then it shouldn't be pleasantly surprised because I'm not ashamed of, you know, my heritage or my culture or the people. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm not. So You know what? I do think there is a certain fear amongst white men that they have to tiptoe around ethnic women and I think Mm. that's also sort of been catapulted by this whole me too scandal so it's like a double whammy like sex gender discrimination and then racial discrimination they're like oh shit what do we do and on top of that pattern of political correctness that we're seeing so much of Mm -hmm. so combined with all of that it's like oh we're, we're so worried about offending people but that doesn't mean they have to stop making sure that their workplace is meritocratic and Mm -hmm. fair and diverse and preventing the tokenism that we're seeing now and again or feeling like we are tokens you know we don't want that yeah I I don't think it's fair just because I feel uncomfortable every day yeah you know when you walk into a meeting room and you've got you've got to host a meeting and you are the only black person or black woman in the room I, you know, I feel uncomfortable. That makes me feel uncomfortable for a moment, but I just have to do it anyway. You just have to do so it. So yeah. I challenge those people that feel uncomfortable speaking about race to be uncomfortable because we have and to do it. Okay. Yeah. We have to do it and we don't have a choice. So be uncomfortable. 
ask those uncomfortable questions. If you have, if you're curious, if you have yeah. a misconception, don't say it as a statement. Don't say, oh, so you know, this is what I know. This is what I know. Oh, I thought, you know, all Jamaican people smoked weed. Don't say that. <laughs> don't pose it as a question. Is this true? Is it true? Is it true? That all Jamaican people smoke weed? Well, <laughs> Maybe don't ask that question at all. But you, Especially you, in a work environment. You get, you get what I mean. But yeah. it opens up a conversation. It means that you are open to learning and you're willing to learn. And you actually take an interest in someone that is not just... Like you. Like you and that looks like you. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And that's appreciated. Yeah. So be uncomfortable. Yeah. And that goes on to my next question. I mean, there definitely are these misconceived preconceptions of women of colour aren't there in the workplace and people as you said are too afraid to ask or they ask the wrong questions again as I said political correctness this very difficult I'll say that in quotation marks conversation about race and about gender in the workplace but I don't think it needs to be difficult because I think if you have that open-minded nature and you go to someone with an open question, you're, you're, it's very, well, it's highly unlikely that person's going to turn around and be like, go away, you've offended me. Yeah. I'd rather you ask the question. I'd rather you ask than just make the mistake by coming out with something that's completely ignorant and un, uninformed. Yeah. I'd rather you just ask. Because I work with people of lots of different cultures. Me too. And I, I'm always curious. I see quite a lot of diverse people and I always ask questions about mm. the food they bring for lunch or this or that, the other. And I don't feel scared about it. But again, I don't know if there is this uh, sort of division, this binary between non-whites and whites mm. in the workplace. But I do feel like now and again, a lot of the friends I make at work are of an ethnic background. But I am trying to change that because I think, again, that's an unconscious bias on my part. Yeah, I think to hang out with similar yeah, people to I myself. Think, yeah, because we, we're placing ourselves in our comfort zone yes, as well when we absolutely. do that. Yeah. So I think it's also our responsibility to, to make sure we inject ourselves yes, into those situations. It's equally important. Um, and not, not that it's our responsibility to make sure that people feel comfortable around us, but most often times once people get to know you they're fine yeah. then it's That's it's it. com- yeah the barriers the barriers down they'll ask you questions but you know yeah. that curios- curiosity widens I think that's just the case with any human interaction regardless yeah. of the background I think you always have that initial yeah. shyness or not really knowing it's just lack of knowing it's exactly. just lack of knowing isn't it fear of the unknown yeah and that stereotype being the angry black woman <laughs> that stereotype we've spoken about quite a few times in yeah. our own private conversations but I mean have you ever felt that you've had to bite your tongue or hold back from saying anything um because so of being perceived as, as I suppose, so as, as part of my job I'm, I'm I'm a negotiator so I negotiate deals deals on behalf of the bank so that requires me to be in a more confrontational position anyway so I do have to be very careful about how I post things, how I put things across, my tone of voice. Uh, I have to make sure that I'm respected first. I have to make yeah. sure that people see me as credible in terms mm-hmm. of my knowledge base. Uh, and once I've done that, then I'm respected on, at the negotiating table, right, I say. Right. But I have to work harder. Right. To do that, to make sure that that happens. Compared to your peers. Compared to, yes, compared to my peers. 
Okay. Yeah. So it's it's quite it's quite tiring, but I can't be the angry black woman. I can't. I just can't be. So you've never. I done, can't, never lived up to the stereotype. I yeah. No. No. <laughs> no. And if anyone tried to accuse me of being angry or to you say you'd get defensive, oh, Rihanna's aggressive. Yeah. My manager would say, "Great, that's her job to." Uh, <laughs> that is. Her, yeah. That it's is her job. job. It's her job to you know protect the bank's position. Exactly. That's, that's her job. So thankfully, I found, I suppose, a role that accommodates. Yes. That type of approach or yes. you know that type yes. of personality um I'm not aggressive in comparison to some of the Your people that I work with yeah. yeah some of some some of the men that I work with I'm not but aggressive they get that's the same just, reaction that's, would they? of course they wouldn't they get wouldn't the same be reaction labeled angry and man. and they don't have to put the work in to establish their credibility because they're automatically respected yeah they don't have to do Whereas that you've got to really, I have to really prove I have yourself to do that. there is that element I have to do that yeah yeah um yeah so it's hard I mean I think I've been I've been told that I need to stand up for myself more. Really? Yeah. Wow. I mean, I suppose it can, it can be dog eat dog sometimes. Wait. So it's you need to stand up for yourself more, as in don't let people walk all over walk you. all over you. But then I'm more concerned about how I'm going to come across right. if I put my foot down in the way that I would really want to. And and when I've spoken to family and friends about about it, like you've you've had that feedback that's crazy because that's that's not you you're, yeah, it's not you. you're you're super confident you are um you know you're a you're a debater you put your point across that's just that's just how you are so but when that. I step into the workplace I have to be so much more cautious yes I have to I be find myself doing that as well so really limiting yeah I mean we have we have this um I suppose I I don't know if you call it a motto but they encourage you to bring your whole self to work Oh, one of those. And it's like, really? You wouldn't know what to do with my whole I self. I don't think anyone can physically you, do that. You can't bring your actual self to work. Some people there can. there is that barrier. Some people can. We can't bring our whole selves to work. <laughs> they, they, wouldn't, they wouldn't know what to do with it. Well, you wouldn't, because some things you talk about, you wouldn't talk about at work, would you? Like, you just... No. I don't think a sane person would do that because there is that professional yeah. boundary to be respected. But I mean, if you, some people may feel like they can bring more of their self to work, whereas we feel a bit more restricted yeah. because of what we think others may think of us or perceive. Yeah. I guess to finalise or sum up this interesting conversation, <laughs> I mean, do we think tokenizing women of colour leads to an unconscious bias against women and women of colour? Because I definitely think that's the case. I think it perpetuates it because... People just assume. Yeah. In whilst we are the token, as in there are so few of us that it's like we become spot, a novelty, don't we? Spot, yeah, right. The, I was going to say spot the black person. <laughs> um, yeah, it's not where's Wally, but yeah. But, but whilst it is, whilst it is a novelty, um, I think that will remain the case. I think once there are enough minorities in the workplace. Uh, to the point where well, we can say we are no longer the token. Yeah, it will just become. It will just be the norm. Yeah, yeah. It will just be the norm. I guess we'll just have to wait for these differences to come to the surface, which I'm sure they will, as we are becoming, I think, more open as a society, despite this whole mm. PC world that we're living in. Yeah, um, I think because of certain like flexible policies, work-life balance, a lot of that's being integrated into the workplace, even some of the most formal of workplaces. And that really sort of helps, I think, yeah. some people sort of be able to balance and be comfortable in their lifestyle and their background um, whilst holding down 
you know a good profession and that's quite welcoming isn't it for yeah. people like us I think I think it's a good thing that the diversity conversation is in the workplace it's it's become it's a fad for years it's, as well. it's, but it's more of a fad because yeah. you had the whole it's about stats now yeah you had the whole gender conversation where uh, everyone each company had to I suppose uh publicize their gender statistics yes gender pay gaps statistics and now the conversation i feel is on race on race because you can't mobility as well yeah really big you you can't you can't focus on one protected characteristic without thinking also what do you think of positive discrimination because i don't believe in that at all but i do believe if you interview two candidates Mm. one of them's an ethnic minority one of them's white but they're both equally qualified but then you have to then you have to look at the needs of your organization as a whole yes and if one of the objectives of your organization is to encourage diversity then that's what you'll think about as part of the hiring process and i mean but you wouldn't compromise on the quality of someone's performance no of course not those those candidates should be equally qualified yes they yeah. should both be qualified yes but i mean for so long recruiting managers have just hired people because they their dad a plays criteria. golf at the same yeah, exactly. at the same golf club but sometimes you do have to say actually crazy, this is the person that i would normally go for but, but no. this this person's going to bring something different to my organization they're going to bring a new perspective and it's statistical fact that having diversity actually increase it's profitable yes it's profitable and so it makes it's beneficial to business it's more productive as well yeah yeah so uh, so i guess to finish off so for the listeners i've started a new theme where i ask either a guest or myself to quote an extract from a book where we can explain how it relates to any feminist theme uh, and what it means to us so I think Rihanna today has got something for us. It's from the book, um, Why I'm No Longer Talking to White People About Race. If you haven't read it, you should. Uh, I have. It's excellent. And it's by <laughs> Rennie Edo Lodge. And I promise we are not being paid for this. So <laughs> it's, quite, it's quite a deep one, though. So are you yeah. sure we want to close on this? I mean, maybe just summarize or like just take a few extracts. Okay. So it says, we all grew up in a white-dominated world. This is the context that white feminists are working within, benefiting from and reproducing a system that they barely notice. However, their critical analysis skills are pretty good at spotting exclusive systems, such as gender, that they don't benefit from. They spout impassioned rhetoric against patriarchy with ease, feeling its sharp edge of injustice jutting them in the ribs at work in the form of unequal pay and socially held at them in the street in the form of catcalling. And rightly they say, I'm sick of living in this world built for the needs of men. I feel like at best I can fight it, at worst I have to learn to cope in it. Yet they're incredibly defensive when the same analysis of race is levelled at their whiteness. You'd have to laugh if the whole thing wasn't so reprehensible. Listeners, we'll leave you with that quote. <laughs> Thank you yeah. very much for listening. Thank you, Rihanna, for coming on the show. Really appreciate Thanks for it. having me, Tanya. Thank you for listening to Brown Don't Brown podcast. If today's discussion interested you or you want to share your story, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram by searching for Brown Don't Frown Podcast and on Twitter at BDF Podcast. You can also reach me on my blog at tanyasweeklydose.com. Join the conversation using the hashtag Brown Don't Frown Podcast. Please like, share and subscribe. Thank you. <laughs>